Hi, hello. I made the mistake of yelling at a sporting event, and I was tricked into going outside. How horrendous. Welcome back to another episode of Passive Pixels. This is going to be a special episode. Look at me, I'm already on a roll. I've explained why my voice sounds weird, and I've already even said the name of the show. And next up, I'm going to also mention what the topic is going to be. I watched the Before Trilogy before sunrise, before sunset, before midnight. And I needed a, a person. I needed someone who knew Kino, who knew true cinema artistique dicks, right? And I couldn't really find anyone because I'm not related to any of you or even friends with you. I don't know where you guys are hiding. So I had to go <laughs> up north again into the wilderness. I killed at least three bears and finally found at least one person who was hiding in the wilderness that is Canada to speak movies with me. He's the person who also told me about the Criterion Collection and is probably going to help me become radicalized into <laughs> becoming a cinema snob. Sam, how are you? Not too shabby. Mm-hmm. How has this Asian been treating you? Has you Have you been blessed by any films today so far? Or is that going to be an evening thing? Uh, probably an evening thing i gotta it's either games or movies tonight we'll see mm-hmm. what's what's the decision between random stuff on my watch list or uh i just started zelda wind waker last night on my wii u oh. for the first time okay you gotta yeah. stick with wind waker you, i you think gotta, so I, I was feeling that earlier now <laughs> i've been kicking around some zelda a little bit my mm-hmm. majora's mask 3d i dug out my 3ds well not dug it out Ooh. i got it back from a friend that i let borrow for a couple months and i just keep looking at it I got Skyward Sword by Yo-Hoing on my Switch, and then I went, <laughs> I probably shouldn't do that. I'm going to go play Twilight Princess HD because I've been playing this on and off for the last five or six years. I need to focus <laughs> now. So we're, this is a Zelda mood right now, okay? We are now going in a different direction. I'm sorry, Richard Linklater. We are now yeah, going to sorry. talk about why Miyamoto is a god for blessing with Zelda. No, okay, we're not going in that direction. All right, uh, as I had brought up, Right now, we are going to talk about the Before Trilogy, this magnificent opus of love and time and unfulfilledness in your life, directed by one Richard Linklater, and of course, helped out by the two wonderful actors that helped out with writing their characters, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Now, before we even start about talking about these movies sam how did you encounter these movies because i know that my easy answer is you so how did <laughs> you find these movies i don't remember how i originally heard of them but like many many years ago my introduction to richard link later was like boyhood when i was about 13 mm. or 14 which i've only seen it i think the one time but Same. i still remember it pretty vividly it's not a film i love i love the first half of it the second half like i kind of lost like i remember kind of being like okay even at, as a whiny teenager at that time i was like wow this kid is like a really whiny teenager um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, stone meat glass house yeah <laughs> um but yeah like i remember hearing about that movie at that age and like they were like oh and already having an interest in movies at that time. And that's yes. when I was like 13 or 14, I started to like get into more foreign films and like trying to branch out my tastes a little bit more. That film I remember seeing and they were like, they actually filmed it over the course of 12 years. And I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, yeah. And then I watched it and I was like, okay, that was really cool. If not, not really like amazing or anything yes. like there's. There's some really good elements to it, like Ethan Hawke's really great. Uh, Patricia Arquette is awesome as the mom in that movie. She she reminded me a little bit of my own mom, in a way. 
still enjoyed it. Not a perfect movie, but a really cool, like, it's definitely a cinematic achievement. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, like, it's just, there's just, like, really cool, de- like, details. Like, every year they came back and shot, there was also things around that time in terms of, like, uh, pop culture and stuff like that that was, like, incorporated into the film. They were, like, playing Halo 2 in one scene, and I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, I remember playing Halo <laughs> at a very young age like that. Like, it's a very nostalgic movie in ways, but, which, is pretty good at nostalgic. I, I finally watched some yes. of his other stuff like dazed and confused pretty recently and even though that film takes place in an era where i'll never connect to ben affleck having the joy of smacking middle schoolers in the butt with a like paddle like ever link is really good at like placing you there and like making you feel like you're there in a way in a strange way like there's a connection but like all those stereotypes out of like a high school movie are, are in it but it feels like they're you know those are real high school kids on screen being doofuses and, and it's getting more up. like yeah. stereotypes where it's like well they became stereotypes because they're true so yeah like, it's not yeah. like the kids are being stupid it's mm-hmm. just that kids are stupid yeah exactly but uh no like the before trilogy i always wanted to watch at some point and then finally last year during the pandemic uh you know when you have nothing to do the world's in a state of like uncertainty well, what better to do than watch a hundred movies or so and like finally watch these? <laughs> I love uh, imagining that your origin story is that you were interested with movies, but it wasn't until the pandemic that you became a cinephile. Yeah, I was already pretty heavily into movies, but like the the pandemic gave me a lot of like opportunity to just sit there like day and night and just binge through movies, even though I like burned myself out a little bit last year because that was all I had to do. So. And like, you know, play games and whatnot. But uh, no, yeah. finally, yeah, finally watching these was like really nice because I finally got the the hype and the love and praise it's gotten. So I also had an entryway with Boyhood. Yeah, sure. School Rock, I may have watched pieces of it. Oh, but, yeah. School Rock. Which I every single time that I look at his filmography, I'm like, okay, like I could have known Slack or I could have known Days and Confused before Sunrise. I didn't realize he directed the remake of Bad News Bears. Yeah. A Scanner Darkly. Mm. A Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Last yep. Flag Flying. It's like, I didn't know you did all this. So at some point, I'm going to have to go try those I, out. Yeah, Maybe. I actually, my first link later would probably be School of Rock. Because that was like one of those movies in elementary school that like everybody had seen and knows yeah. and like loves. And I still like it. I watched that again, like, pretty recently. Wait, um, so hold on. For the record, yeah. I am 26 now. A horrifying time of passage. <laughs> all that. Sam, how old are you? I am 21. Okay. You for see, the viewer's so. knowledge. <laughs> now, what's even... It's okay. It's, it's, it's viewers. Yeah. It's, it's probably right. only one or two people at this point now. <laughs> <laughs> Before, he's not talking about Marvel. I'm out of here. Ew. Yeah. Disgusting. Ew. Ew. <laughs> uh, I'm selling out eventually, just not yet. So, yeah, yeah, it's fun to see that School of Rock was still something that even when I was in elementary school, the same teachers were like, I'm just going to keep this DVD and keep it hungover. Yeah, yeah, literally. I remember watching it during school, too. (laughs) That's so funny. So, Boyhood is the actual entryway. Let's go with that one because School of Rock, I don't really count it, right? 
Boyhood yeah. was okay. Yeah, that was 2014. I think the reason that I watched it is because at that point that I was paying attention to the Oscars, mm. and Boyhood was trailing the wake of Whiplash. Um, so that didn't exactly leave Boyhood mm. in a good position for me no. because uh, <laughs> Whiplash is my favorite movie of all time. So everything that comes afterwards is going to get punished for not being Whiplash. Yeah, Boyhood was a movie that honestly. I appreciate more than I like, and that's more because Richard Linklater is from Houston, Texas. I live in Houston, Texas. Boyhood being directed throughout that entire time and getting to see Houston throughout different times made me feel really nostalgic for shit that I do not care about. That's funny. (laughs) So, so, yeah, so it has more of a connection with you than it does with me. Exactly. So I'm looking at this and seeing a kid grow up through these times. So the movie came out in 2014. You'd assume that he was 18 in 2013, you know, when they finished filming it. So Mm -hmm. that puts him exactly at my age. Like I was 18 in 2013 so this movie cheats so hard for me where it's like oh you're a young kid growing up in houston texas oh shit that's me that's me i don't have abusive parents or anyone getting divorced but that's me i'm not playing halo i'm playing gamecube that's me so there's a whole bunch of things to boyhood that feels like it's cheating so hard for me but like I still like it. I mean, there the ending where they go over to that park in Texas, like that is something that I still want to go to. My wife, who I was dating at that point, who is now my wife, watched that movie with me, and we still randomly talk about going to Big Bank National Park because of that movie. Yeah, so, that's a very memorable ending. I'd yes, say, that park looked beautiful. Exactly. So Boyhood is something that. I just at this point assumed that Richard Linklater was the person who he is the more thoughtful Nolan where he's like, I just like time and I like playing around with it. Yeah. While, while Nolan likes to just like uh, backwards, forwards, all this, Richard Linklater's like, no, no, we're just going to stay linear. We're going to go forward in time. Or we're going to go back in time. That's it. We're not going to go left, right, inverted. Fuck all that. We're just going to stay on the track. Yeah. So. Nolan, Nolan's like, thinks of time in a science fiction way and uh link later thinks of it more in a philosophical way exactly so mm-hmm. that was my own impression of him because besides that there isn't really anything else of his that i've watched once again not counting school of rock not doing that so <laughs> yeah the, the fact that when you told me that before sunrise sunset and midnight were basically these check-ins on a relationship i was like oh oh i think i'm in like i just love Hmm. the idea of being able to go back and forth and take actors and being able to have them revisit and not even just put makeup on them like they literally have the years in between on them and Hmm. i always love that because those characters don't just get created and then just disappear like Mm -hmm. they do have instances and lies before the movie so these actors get to think about those characters that they played over time and then using their life experience they can think well i know that character i played that character where did they end up and Mm. i like that they understood their character so well that they took them on this entire journey to understand all that i mean that's just something that's 
wonderful and it uh, it's funny to me because you had mentioned how you watched it at 13 you remember that time when you were like in single digit ages and you were still under the impression that whenever they pulled a character out and they're like oh man this is this character young you were like oh man i can't believe that they showed young brad pitt and i can't believe that they filmed him at the age of six (laughs) and waited for 20 years to film him again like do you remember that i definitely remember thinking that probably at like age five or six probably as i got older and more interested in films i quickly realized oh that's not how that works (laughs) (laughs) now imagine if richard link later comes in it's like yeah but that's what i do it's like whoa 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 you're insane (laughs) yeah (sighs) So at least now we know where we stand with Richard Linklater. Let's go ahead and just at least let's get through the, I guess, non-spoiler part, which to be fair, the entire thing is going to be spoilers. I feel like we just need to do this to Mm. stay the track, right? Now, I love these movies. I I love all three of them. I mean, I'm showing my hand early. It's got a special episode. I mean, look, I've done five of these so far, and only one I didn't really know if I loved. Okay, so of course Mm -hmm. I love this one. Like this Uh, is these are some (laughs) these are phenomenal movies. I love everything about them. I cannot wait to dissect them. Sam, how do you feel about these movies? Even though I assume you're probably just going to echo. I'm going to pretty much echo the same. The third one's my least favorite for a couple of reasons, but. It's still a really good movie compared to the first two, though. I love like the first two the most, but like, or sorry, the, the second one I love the most out of the three. I feel like you probably are a similar, feel similar to that. Um, two, but, three, one. Yeah, I would pit the first one over the third one only for a couple of reasons. Mm. Um, there's, I'll get in more into that later when we get to the third one, but. Uh, but we both agree that two is peak. It, two is peak. Two is like, like watching it again, I, I, there's like a lot more things to appreciate because of how much it incorporates from the first film into the second very nicely. And it also like, again, like the concept of the whole trilogy, it really utilizes that nine years and you really feel it even without having to have watched these films nine years apart. Like you could feel the time, not even just how they look, but just through how they act and their mannerisms and how they've gotten as they get older throughout those films. So now I can tell you right now that just, the second one is just a completely different beast. Like, mm. the first one is just a very well-written romantic drama where you have these two characters who are very likable and who understand since that they're never going to see each other again. They know that they can have those conversations that if you had it with people that you had to see daily, it might color how you see them. So yeah, that is a great premise, and it it executes on it very nicely. So Mm. it's a special movie, but there's things in there that, you know, feel like, okay, this is just very well done. It's a very good romantic drama. I don't think that there's anything there that is like completely new. Like it it is, it's so hard to, it's, I, it's so hard to walk this line where I want to knock down before sunrise, but understand that there's still a lot of good things in it that just, I feel like this is just very good. I, th- I think it's, th- that's it. fair. That, yeah, that's, that's fair. It's a very straightforward to the point movie. I think that's um, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like a well above average, uh, like romance film where I feel like even then it was a risk to take a movie or have a movie like that where it's like, oh, it's a romance film, but like the two characters are just talking the entire time. Like, oh my God, uh, my, like, it's like my dinner with Andre. 
Is that oh, like, like it's right. yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be essentially that, but with like two young people. Hold on, are, Sam. Yeah. We understand what dinner with Andre is. I need to stop yes. and explain it for a second because I yes. know people <laughs> who listen to this audience have no idea what it is. Dinner with Andre is a movie that where the entire movie basically takes place at a dinner table and it's just two people talking. Like that's it. I don't even know if they cut to follow someone going into the bathroom. It's just a wide shot of yeah. a table, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it is. I actually haven't seen it yet, but I've always oh, known same. about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those movies I know about because, like, it's just you know highly regarded. Okay, good. Then we're yeah. in the same we're yeah. in the same boat here. Yeah. We're not going to try and talk too much out of our ass when it comes to yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I think that's what it is. I think you nailed it. It's just very straightforward. A good movie. Mm-hmm. If it, you know, screw it. Uh, just uh, look. All three movies are good. Good enough. Spoilers. Get out of here. Get out of yeah. here. If you, they uh, fall in love. <laughs> what? No. Oh my god. Uh, they, they have problems in a marriage. Oh uh, no. Wow. Life, life sucks sometimes. <laughs> what? Spoilers. Ah shit. I haven't lived enough yet. I didn't uh, know. All right. Good enough. They they got they got out of here. Perfect. Go watch the movies. So. Yeah. Moving into the actual talk about Before Sunrise. Before Sunrise is just a very straightforward, good movie. They have two performances, two actors that can bounce off of them very well. Richard Linklater just kind of understands what it's like to fall in love and being able to have those... I'm going to jump the gun here. The scene where they're listening to the song and they just keep missing each other's glance. Yeah. That's... It's great. That's the entire thesis of the movie. The entire thesis of two people who keep looking at each other, who have been able to finally intersect, still can't get to the point where the two of them meet. Like, uh... It is cheesy and corny at moments, but without fault like it's very uh awkward and like cringe at moments too like there's that uh like when they first meet a little and then like as like throughout the night there's like a little bit of that romantic tension there and it's it feels like a first date it feels like that and even when they like it's really cool how you could see them naturally open up more um Mm. because one of the things i really love about their conversations is like how much of uh, Ethan Hawke's character, Jesse, he asks, like, he talks a lot. He's, like, he's always, like, spitting off about, like, a lot of philosophy and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of moments where Celine will ask him a personal question or something to try and get to know him more as a person, and he kind of avoids the question. He does. He avoids yeah. a lot of, like... Because like, they have, like, a Q&A on that little bus scene. Yeah. And I really love that, because, like, he, he goes right in and is like, what's your first uh like sexual experience or something or who's the first person you fell in love with blah blah and she goes like in on like about this guy she fell in love with at like a summer camp or or something like that and uh her friend had a crush on the guy and then like she has this whole story to share with him and then the moment she says like oh like okay now you and he's like oh yeah i fell in love once and then like moving on exactly it's really cool like everything naturally flows between the two of them and that's that's the thing to making this kind of movie work is that if those two didn't have the chemistry to match then it wouldn't have worked like it would have all fell apart no matter how good the script was because they they both have i don't know if you know this but they both have uh like julie and ethan both have screenwriting credits because yes 
if I remember doing well, no, my, not in this, yeah. one, not in this, not one, in this one, exactly. not in this one. Although from what I read, they apparently helped smooth things out for this first film, especially because yes. I guess like the first script was like they both looked at it and were like, "That's not how this would work," or "This would work." It's incredible too, because like you watch these movies without any like background knowledge. There's almost like, man, this seems too good. Like, was this was some of this made up on the spot and improvised? And it's like none of it is improvised, from what I've read. They said, like, everything's scripted. It almost makes sense, too, given the amount of time that's, like, split between each film in real time. Like, there's nine years between each film. I, I read a little bit about their writing process and how, like, it took them about, like, six years to get back together. And then even then, they, yes. like, when they came up with ideas and stuff along the way, they just got in a room and just spat out, like, the dumbest ideas first. <laughs> and then just to have fun first and just whittle things down to something they could... You know, like an idea they could stick with, I'm guessing. I mean, writers mm. always say that the hardest part is to write. Yeah. But yeah. it's always easier to go back and refine. So you got to get those yeah. stupid ideas out first, yeah. so then you can refine it into something good. In one of the interviews I was reading, as like a funny idea, they uh, for Before Midnight, they pictured Jesse and Celine as like international spies. <laughs> and i was like i would watch that movie <laughs> watch that. i yeah. i don't think i'd want to i don't I, okay uh, i'd probably yeah. watch it because i'd like to see the two of them together but yeah. i would just be like yeah that was a good movie did you really need to make this before midnight yeah <laughs> before uh, sunrise like you're not wrong i mean th considering that ethan hawk was there because of romance of course he's going to be really cynical about anything like that mm -hmm. i wouldn't be shocked if he didn't think of julie delby as being someone who's going to be that much deeper like i thought that maybe on the train he was like look i just need a distraction what's the best way to get over someone getting under someone so i mm -hmm. wouldn't be shocked if that was his logic but then eventually by talking to her he realized that she was more so then you get to that bar scene where they're playing uh pinball yes thank you for mm -hmm. some reason i was about to say ping pong <laughs> um by the time that they're playing pinball and he actually starts opening up about what the reason was for him to even be on that train like that feels like the moment that he finally starts accepting that oh okay uh i do actually like this girl and I'm probably no longer using her like I thought I was initially. Yeah, there's definitely a connection between the uh, two of them. Like immediately, like they kind of have that like, you know, that little cheesy glance at the beginning of the movie where they look at each other <laughs> on the train. And then it's funny that like a couple fighting got them to start talking to one another, um, especially since, you know. <laughs> I mean, but the yeah. conversation that they lead into afterwards, like, yeah. it, it makes it work so well. I mean, that it's so weird how it feels so trite that it would be an argument between a couple to bring them together, but yeah, I think I'm just going to go out and say it. This might be the best meet-cute since 22 Jump Street. <laughs> yeah. <Did> they, <laughs> like, <laughs> the two of them who after seeing an old couple just argue with each other and they then have a meet cute based off of their anxieties of getting to that point i mean yeah. that's that just feels like that's perfect like it doesn't feel like it's i'm a busy business girl and i accidentally got into the wrong taxi and i left yeah, it's, like, it, yeah, like, it's there's not like so, yeah hmm. there's so much just trite shit in the romance genre that it makes me happy that this one not only has a reason for them meeting, but then eventually executes on the meeting itself, like what brought them together. Yeah, it's not it's not a Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movie of how they meet or anything like that. It's very 
it feels very natural how they start talking to each other and it's it's not like he like bumped into her somewhere or anything like that they just kind of you know this like very little small marriage scuffle happens on a train and they're just like he's like oh do you know what happened there like <laughs> like this german couple or something or that they were just arguing and then they they go from there and one of my favorite moments in the movie and this this is why i love it is when he asks her uh to come with him yes in vienna there to like it's one of those like rapid fire decisions of you know if i don't do this then i'm gonna probably regret this the rest of my life but like do you want to come hang out with me i would be kicking myself too for the rest of my life if like i had that experience with someone correct like i just went on my merry way and then like like who le- was that person what yeah. could have happened yeah exactly and you wouldn't be able to let go of the thought of what happened to that person after they uh they met oh absolutely yeah. such I, a, yeah i hope any single person who watched this movie contemporarily realized that that was just a perfect pickup line and this is such Me. a small indie <laughs> movie that you're never going no one is ever going to see this no one saw this at the time mm. you could easily use that line on someone who you just met anywhere you could be like well i mean you you want to stay here at this target right here and wonder who is that handsome man that talked to me like you can repurpose that pickup line for so many things you really that can. i really hope that people who watch this movie were like that is the perfect pickup line i'm using that all the time i f- yeah i feel like for anyone who i feel like you could take almost some notes here on how uh how well <laughs> jesse p- picks up Celine there on the train just how well he was able to chat with her he's very confident because he obviously pits up he hides his uh, inner emotions for most of it there before he reveals why he's on a trip towards the end correct I mean mm-hmm. that, you wouldn't really be able to tell by looking at him like oh yeah this is a guy who traveled across a whole bunch of different countries in a gigantic ocean just to get broken up with I love when he finally re- revealed that because it's just like oh man he was uh, blindly in love and followed uh, after someone that really didn't see him the same way and like he in the later films admits i think before midnight uh, he says like oh she's like he's like you're the only woman i ever loved and it's like well like you you had relationships before this one like mm, but i'm pretty sure what he yeah. means by that yeah is like, he means it, he means a genuine connection but yeah correct. like yeah because like he obviously has been through his fair share of heartbreak i mean i wouldn't be shocked if he fell in love right there at the train with the fact that they were just verbally sparring just back and forth he probably fell in love at that point but he was still he still probably didn't accept it until the bar scene like the entire time he's just yeah. like ah this is this isn't something i could trust right now because I just got broken up with like, is this just a rebound thing? Am I just lonely and I need literally any touch I can get? Like, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked that that's all internally going on. It's funny you mention that. Cause yeah, like a lot of this film, it feels like just two lonely people finding, yes, you know, like each other. Yeah. Just finding each other at the right moment to kind of just help them what they're going through. Cause I think Celine's character and that one's going through school and stuff and finishing up. And she's even, she even mentions her last like relationship and how like obsessed she got with it. Especially that was a funny story that she told to him in that scene in the bar. But uh, on another thing too, I think it's funny cause there's no like crazy editing tricks or anything like Correct. that. There's nothing like crazy in the presentation, but the cinematography is gorgeous in these movies. Yes. That's the thing about movies is you could just have some really like, cause these movies easily could have just brought on anybody. I think of any other filmmaker 
someone like like someone like Judd Apatow or somebody that like makes mm-hmm. uh, very standard rom-coms and like those Just films, speaking lines mostly. Yeah. And like any other director who would tackle this kind of film would not even think to care about like, oh, you know, cinematography, at least Linklater and everybody involved with this, whoever's involved with it behind the scenes was like, we're going to capture some really gorgeous shots of this town and, and the setting. Cause the whole time it really makes you feel like you're in like a fairy tale. And even they kind of referenced that in the third film where like that one night and in, in the second film too, they kind of refer to that night as like a very important moment. Like it was a fairy tale. I mean, like, it was something that was taken at a time. Like even they yeah. themselves say it at mm. the end of the movie where it's like, we are now entering back into the time stream. Mm-hmm. They're in a moment of time. Everything around them doesn't exist except for them and like together for one night. And it's really, yeah, I, I love it. I think, Yes. I think it's a great, great movie, even if it's like pretty straightforward, because like, like there's there's a lot more to love, too, about their conversations. Like they jump around from yes. like politics to kind of gender dynamics and it doesn't feel forced at all. It feels like genuine. It's funny, too, because like when they're talking about men are like this, but women are like this and men are like this and women are like this. They even get to a point where they're like, can we stop talking about this? Because this is going nowhere. <laughs> and like and those conversations, too, about politics, gender dynamics, relationships and whatever, they continue into each film. It's just uh, they have different perspectives on things over time. What I love about mm. those conversations more than anything else is that all of them, like at least for the first movie, eventually later on, they have more reasons why they kind of talk the way that they do. This one, the fact that they from the offset just say that this is our one day. This is my own example I know that a lot of times whenever I would meet people, I would have to roll it back. You know, I'm not going to be my full self. But then eventually I just hit a point a couple of years ago where I said, fuck it. I don't care anymore. I'm just going to do what I do. And if they don't vibe, I'm sorry. Just keep your distance then. So what I love is that these two, by knowing that they're never going to have to meet each other again, they're not going to have to tiptoe around different topics to worry about maybe offending the other because hey at the end of the day they're never going to see each other again Mm. like it's no chance like oh i said something really offensive and the next time i go grocery shopping i might run into you like no they're going to be across different continents there's no chance so at this point they're okay with speaking to their true mind without having to roll it back or sugarcoat anything because they just know it's okay. I don't have to really worry about this person because we understand the rules of the day, which is when the day's over, that's yeah. it. We're done. They're never seeing each other again. They could just basically preach their politics and their, their worldviews to each other and have a conversation and pick apart each other's discussions too. No, I mean like that one yeah. scene where they went to go have dinner and uh, Ethan Hawke is just like, oh man, you know, the fortune telling this is all Oh bullshit. yeah, the for- yeah. That's the one yeah. moment where it gets uncomfortable and you're mm. just like, Oh, like she even started looking like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I like this guy. And yeah, I was starting to think at that point, I was like, what's the point of that scene? But like yeah. that scene to me is when it clicked in where it's like they just know this isn't going to happen again. So at this point, he yeah. has no reason to kind of take their shit. Like, well, I mean, that, I, he, yeah, whatever. He, We're just going to use that phrase. Like he doesn't really have to sit here and just kind of pretend like he cares. Like he's just going to be like, well. Oh, you really believe that? Like, okay, I guess. Like, he, just, it's not like he, it's going yeah. to. It's not going to be something that becomes a problem later because, like, I'm leaving you after this point. So, yeah, he's very, uh, yeah, like that fortune teller moment. There's some other 
Um, there's something else in that first film, like oh the uh, the poem, yeah, the poem and the uh, the fortune teller. He's a very uh, like cynical skeptic- person. Yeah, he's a very cynical person. He's very skeptical of anything that's like not in the way of like scientific thinking. Yes, I feel like we're both like fortune tellers are dumb. <laughs> it's something that she enjoys, and he kind of just completely takes like a really nice, you know, like oh, it's a party trick. He, yeah, like it's a party trick, and like. He's, he kind of ruins a moment for her because she like she was really happy to see like to have that experience and then he's immediately like you're dumb so for thinking dumb. that yeah this is fun. you're dumb mm-hmm, you're dumb for thinking that same with the poem and like she even calls him as soon as like they get to the guy who wrote them the poem too he gets called out for that attitude he realizes he's like oh like like maybe like, okay. I am being an asshole yeah I am being a bit of an asshole and maybe uh, I am a guy who just got broken up with a couple of hours ago yeah <laughs> yeah it's like that was a really nice way of like incorporating that uncomfortable scene back and and even she mentions after that after they get the poem and stuff she says oh yeah we had our first fight or whatever so it's like they're (laughs) almost like going through the stages of of a relationship in one night in a weird way no i mean that because that's what it is they have Mm. the one day and they're Mm. just saying we're going to fill in everything that we can because like this is it like how often do you ever meet someone just once that you knowingly know it's going to be one time so at that Mm. point you just say Hey, pack everything in. Imagine if one day you just, I don't know, let's say that you get into a car crash, you wake up a couple of years later, and they just tell you, hey, somehow we were only able to bring you back for one day. Here you go. Like after this, for some reason, you're just, your heart's going to explode. Like, I don't know. So (laughs) that's pretty much them. Like they just know that this is your one day after this. It's not like you ever have to worry about this day again. Like if this day turns out bad, well, shit yeah. okay don't worry you never have to think about it again you're never, never gonna do to this see again. Her again yeah and if it's a great day well then cool you don't need to ruin that by trying to recapture it mm-hmm. like it yeah. just becomes that nice memory and you move on with your day but of course there's a sequel so we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> two sequels <laughs> oh, the, uh, i mean more of the draft yeah. of trying to yeah. recapture it because that's pretty yeah. much what the second one is but like i said we'll, we'll get yeah. there i wanted to yeah. i want to finish talking about before sunrise once we feel mm. like we're good to move on yeah i i feel like i just probably have like a couple more things to say because it's again like we've mentioned a few times now it's like it's a very straightforward movie Yes. It's very sweet. It's very endearing. It's funny too. Like I, I actually laughed a few times, uh, even on my uh, my rewatches. They're not afraid to be vulgar either in these movies and have like uncomfortable conversations at times. Um, and that's what makes it very uh, genuine. One of my favorite things is that they legitimately have these conversations where you're just like, oh, that's um, that's real conversations that you have at some point as a couple. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever yeah. they start talking about farts in Before Midnight, I was just like, did you just incorporate farts in a Criterion Collection movie and it fits <laughs> perfectly? Just, yep. Good, good job. Good job. Good job. <laughs> so uh, there's a whole bunch of things in this movie that, like, like we're humans. We're just discussing creatures, like, in general. So mm-hmm. the fact that they go in and they just have no problem talking about sex, like, they have no problem talking about all of the politics, just... All these topics that they tell you, hey, maybe you probably shouldn't talk about that the first time you meet someone. The fact that they just have this ease to go into it is what gives the movie so much of the electricity. Yeah, I feel like there's probably something I was thinking of, but it's probably it's just lost now. But I, I love it. It's one of my favorite romance films. And uh, it's funny because it even surprises people around me that like 
you know, as much as I am a movie guy, when mm. I, if I ever mention a romance film or these movies or something, it's like, oh, you watch romance movies. It's like, well, what what did you expect? Like, it's it's funny because people that well me like know me pretty well are like are surprised at moments because it's like I watch a lot of movies and I'm a pretty big. <laughs> cinephile so like <laughs> the thing is right. that i imagine yeah. that that's the thing i know you're cynical i yeah. know you are <laughs> so the fact that you're like yes i can allow myself to feel something in a romance movie it's like mm-hmm. what what do you mean what do you mean you're telling me you're not just watching depressing korean dramas yeah i could still enjoy something that has like a upbeat positivity i guess or like is a very like genuinely happy film or i guess or you know the opposite of the more dour dire stuff that i usually watch as long as it feels genuine like even the sad stuff has to feel genuine too yes and that's where i stood because i remember Mm. watching these i knew i had my wife with me because i knew that even if i don't like it she's going to vibe with this Mm -hmm. so it was very strange to get to the end of the movie and both of us were looking at each other like, are we on the same page on this one? <laughs> like, uh, did we both like this? And, oh man. Like, we'll, I'll probably end up bringing her more up once we get to Before Midnight because that was the one that like, like uh, destroyed yeah. her. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. One yeah. thing I do want to mention because it's just something that I love. I love that we have our establishing shots at the beginning of the movie I love that we have pretty much establishing shots of showing where they are. And then I love that at the end of the movie, it fulfills the promise and it just shows all these places in daytime and Mm -hmm. all of them just feel like they have this kind of lifelessness. Like they're just still like it almost feels like that you have that fairy tale gone. Yes. I mean, you also have kind of like that trope of like, winter turning into spring and the snow is slowly melting away it feels like that entire place like all of austria is it austria yeah we're just gonna go with austria all of austria was frozen in crystalline and now with the sun coming up it is now slowly coming back to what reality is like no longer the frozen in time austria that they were in and so i just love that the fact that even the location around them felt like we need to hold on so you can enjoy everything that you can as crystal clear as possible. We're not going to move any waves. You guys are the waves right now. Go where you want. Yeah, what you just said is pretty much, yeah, you said it perfectly. Because um, it <laughs> literally just feels like they woke up, like it finally looked like it, they woke up from the dream. Like I think the last thing I probably just want to touch on is just obviously that scene at the end where they leave each other is really hard to watch because it's like, oh, it's like you could tell too in like the last little little bit. It's like, especially that scene on the boat that they had where they were like, they just sat down for a quick moment uh, yes. to be like, this is going to be hard to say goodbye. And they're like, let's say goodbye now. And there's, a, and there's a bit of heartache even in their voices then that's like they got to say bye to each other and then after at the station it's like even it's worse than that what they thought it was going to be oh my god just yeah. seeing in their faces that they just realize like we aren't strong enough from this like we're not able to just tell ourselves this was one night and the mm. fact that they slowly start moving the goalposts of like, no, 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 we can, we can still make this work somehow. But it's like, but we don't want to do long distance. That's too real. No, 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 no. Yeah. We need to figure out how to still keep the magic and the being able to just say, no, 
we're coming back in six months. Like, okay, once again, let's just ignore that these other two movies are talking. Let's let's talking, whatever. Yeah. Let's go ahead and ignore that these movies exist, not yeah. talking. So just in this scenario, we are in 1995 all the way to 2002, and we don't know the next movie exists. Ignoring all of that, I think that they meet up with each other. Like, even with me being the cynical person that I am, the fact that those two people had this entire night and they instantly vibe with each other, I know that both of them show up it's funny because like obviously we get an answer to that but like yes correct i love how they answer it in the second film so like even trying to think of it without that knowledge i'm like i just love how they answered it because they answered it they really screwed themselves at the end of the movie they're like we're not going to give each other any sort of info how to contact each other we're just gonna hopefully meet up in six months from now and hope that both of us remember that night we had and everything our names etc and meet here at this exact spot and there's like uh, yeah like the way the film ends is it's just really great because there is just that uncertainty and you obviously and even in the this beginning of the second film which we'll i guess we'll get to shortly there's a bit of kind of like a meta aspect to it and how yeah. it an- answers the question in the first bit but yeah i couldn't imagine i don't know what the context of this movie was like in 95 when it came out because i would love i don't know if people knew back then that this was supposed to be a planned trilogy or if like no no it was no like i don't think there was a plan i don't know because like i know like the idea of this trilogy link later said that like he based it around these two characters meeting of his own experience of meeting some woman he met in a toy shop correct yeah and it's just it's funny to think like back then like an audience member seeing this movie and and just being like oh man i wonder if they ever got together and then like nine years later that person is minding their own business and they're like there's a sequel yes oh that would blow your mind yeah Yeah. there's just some uh like cool things like that with certain movies where you just kind of when they came out then and how they hold up now um now personally mm -hmm. like i i I realized that you just kind of went yeah I, yeah. I, you wouldn't be able to separate yourself. For yeah. me, I think the fact that this night was as perfect as it was, it makes me think that they would both try to make the effort to meet back up. Now, I don't know if they were, t- they would be able to. Okay, so I'm, I'm asking, I'm talking from like 95 all the way to 2002, where we don't know there's a sequel. Damn it. Okay, I'm trying here. Mm-hmm. Now, talking from that possibility and all that i still think they would make the attempt to meet up they would both take the trains they would need to take the planes necessary to get to that point i don't know at that point if they would realize that maybe they hate each other maybe at that point they realize oh man we're really just trying to chase magic that didn't happen Mm -hmm. like i i don't want to think beyond that because that's where i wouldn't be able to separate myself from the sequels and thinking oh all that no but I do see that with this entire night, they do come back. They do come back. Maybe it's even more painful where they both went and they were off by an hour or something. So yeah. something more painful like that. Yeah. But okay. Now there's at least one thing I want to touch on because before I'm pretty sure we're ready about to move on. But oh yeah, there's at least one more thing that I want to bring up that I had completely forgotten. The fake phone call they do. Yes. Oh my God. Go for it. I'll let you handle it first. That is a really good scene too that is just really sweet and and i even love they kind of pan to some of the other patrons in the restaurant there Mm. they're like they got the guy he's like 
oh, the t- service is terrible here. It's like the person working in New York would get fired for this. And it's like, it's like, well, you're not in New York. You're in Vienna. And, you know, this is a very relaxed place. Very. And not, it, not, uh, it's very, not New York. It's not New York. And uh, their, their conversation there, how uh, Celine calls her roommate and then Jesse calls his friend. Uh, yeah, just another good example of just like great chemistry really good writing and just them being adorable as a very endearing and adorable as usual in that uh, first film. I mean, this is also another moment that you can steal this idea and use it to pick up someone. Like if you hit them with that, Hey, you'll never know if you'll actually regret this. And then you can end the date using this. Like you'd be like, Oh, well, you know how, how was that date? Well, you know what? I'm going to just pretend to call someone as if I was talking to them after this date. Well, you know, everything went great. Like, oh my God, that is. Celine obviously was in the back. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I just can't stop and think about every single thing that Ethan Hawke did in this movie where I'm like, that was just the. Every single time I was that meme of the guy going, excellent move. Like, that's everything yeah. <laughs> that he does. But oh, man. Yeah. just it's so brilliant to be able to frame that entire conversation that way where you're just telling exactly like they're just giving each other a report card of everything that they've done up to that point. Mm. And I'm not going to lie. It would be nice to get a report card in life. Like it would be really nice to be able to be yeah. told, hey, don't worry, you're doing this right. You're doing that wrong. And the yeah. fact that they can easily have that conversation to tell each other, oh, well, this, 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 I like all of this. Eh, he was a little bit weird about the fortune telling, but you know, there's just so many different things where I was like, this is great. Like, I love that scene so much. Yeah. Oh, there's just so many good moments throughout the entire thing. I mm. realized that we focused a lot on Jesse this entire time. Yeah. Like, and, I, and Jesse's point well, of view. It is kind of fair considering we probably. As guys, we relate more to Jesse (laughs) and the kind of the dating world from our perspectives. But I have a lot more to say probably about Celine in the second film and third film. Mm -hmm. Um, I love her character just as much. Like, I don't love one more than the other. And that's the really nice thing, because like, how do you you can obviously relate more to one or the other. But you obviously wouldn't have a movie without, like, you know, you couldn't be missing one of them. Um, (laughs) Ethan Hawke just walking alone in the streets of Vienna talking to himself. Yeah, like a crazy man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, can you imagine Jesse pretending to be a a feminist walking down the streets talking to himself? (laughs) Oh, oh man, that'd be be great. That'd be great. I I need him imitating a French accent. I need this. (laughs) Oh, well, we 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 get him imitating some accents at, uh, before midnight. I remember <laughs> that is true. That yeah. is true. I will say that you're not wrong. Of course, that's why. So I don't feel too bad about leaving Celine unspoken of at least that much when it comes to this one. Are, are we good to move on? Oh yeah, we're good to move on. Before okay. sunrise, watch it if you haven't. If you're still listening, uh, it's great. <laughs> Before sunrise, uh, if you haven't, if you've gotten this far and you're still listening, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you doing this? It, look, the good thing is that even though we're spoiling it, like we're still not spoiling it because like the entire point of the movie is to see these interactions. Like if, mm-hmm. if you just know at the end what happens, it doesn't ruin the movie. So. Congrats, even though you try to spoil yourself, you did it. You screwed up. Mm. Ha ha ha. Nah, nah, nah. Right. So moving on to Before Sunset. Masterpiece of a film. 
Ma- absolute masterpiece. Oh my god! How I was ready to knock down before sunrise. I need to build up before sunset. Before sunset is fucking art. This is something that is completely different. This is something that I ain't ever seen before. I love this movie. Sam, gush forward for a little bit and then we'll go deeper. I love it as well. And it is one of those examples of how we speak of films like just like the greatest sequels of all time. People talk about like anything from how people talk about their love for Empire Strikes Back to things like Blade Runner 2049 or uh, and some other stuff where this film takes a lot of the first film and just not necessarily double down, but builds upon the first film without like, you know, ruining it. Yeah, without ruining it in any way. And this film's like it's the shortest too of the of the trilogy, which is Wait, really funny. I have to bring this up. How yeah. the hell do you make a sequel to a movie with an un- with an ambiguous ending that you can decide how you feel about it. How do you make a sequel to that and somehow give a satisfying answer that doesn't piss anyone off and is even better for building off of it? How do you accomplish that? I don't know, but like this film does it. And then yeah. <laughs> and uh at like a very brisk pace of like 80 minutes like it's just under an hour and a half long and like it doesn't waste any time getting right into it and they even add like a layer of tension this time around because it's not it's not oh they have a whole night together it's literally literally an hour and a half Mm -hmm. yeah it's very short like they don't have a lot of time and this is the first time they've seen each other in nine years and i really the two of them are fantastic both actors are great. The it's it's shot beautifully again, and even has some really good music choices. You're talking about the ending, aren't you? Yes, that. And uh, <laughs> there's some track that plays in each film. I can't remember, but they there's some uh, there's an actual score. You get a little bit of it. Okay. In each in each film, it, it just obviously isn't very present until either the beginning or end. But yeah i am i'm itching i'm itching i can't i can't wait i need to jump to the ending yeah that's fair oh my god the music (laughs) at the end the fact that the (laughs) the movie just knows there is nothing we can say at this point so we're just going to use music i can't believe just the entire time you get to the ending and that is the peak of the movie you were just waiting to see what is happening the music just tells you everything that you need to know about these characters baby you're gonna miss that plane i know yeah and then it just ends (laughs) and i couldn't i am such a fan of a movie ending like two minutes like the movie ends at the highest point that it could yep. have. I, it's, I'm yep. just such a fan of that when a movie can just realize, knows, yeah, this is yep. the moment. It, this what is the do moment. we need to add after this? Yep. Nothing. You know, you said your favorite movie of all time is uh, Whiplash, and it ends Which, at like the perfect moment. <sighs> like it's just like it's one of those movies. Um, yeah, I I don't even know where to begin, but I just love that the uh 
that that whole ending it's just like again like the added tension and it's finally like that line that line is basically like the letting go of the audience and finally saying like it's finally over they're they finally got together yes um, like they're just the, like look yeah. we need to we'll figure it out i don't exactly yeah. know how i'm gonna get divorced i've got this kid yeah. i don't know how but we're about to risk it all to get this to work exactly they just the entire time it's just this like you're just like are is it actually gonna happen this time because like i'm gonna jump before we dive more into the ending i do want to jump back to the very beginning because oh, like yeah. i love it's all I free love, oh yeah um I love the the opening to this film because, like I said, uh, I mentioned earlier that it kind of addresses the first film. Yes, like first film's ending in a meta way, where if, with the events of what happened, uh, because Jesse is now a a novelist who's on a book tour, and the book just so happens to be about the one night that happened nine years ago, which and, is real meta when you consider that Linklater yeah. had written the first movie about yeah. an actual experience he had. <laughs> yeah, and then on top of that, the people asking him there are are like the journalists there people that are interviewing him are literally asking him about the ending and they're like oh did you like this is obviously a book about you did you ever like did you guys meet back up in six months and then like the film for a little bit longer is still like did they and like he's not really answering the question and he's like he, he literally says like that take the piss out of everything but then like he turns and looks as he's ex- uh, describing that story like his idea for his next book and then he sees Celine. That is one of my favorite moments out of the whole trilogy is when he sees Celine there at the bookstore and he looks like he shits his pants. That edit, <laughs> that edit yep. of flashback, flashback, flashback. And then you see, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really realize that that was Celine. Like I was watching. I was like, oh, that's still a flashback. I guess that was at the cafe. I guess that's, in, <laughs> that's new footage. And then he sees her and I realized... Oh, that's not a flashback. She's here. Oh my god, what the hell? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Like I immediately had my brain racing where I was like, wait, this isn't a flashback. Okay, wait, how does she get there? What is going on? Wait, okay. If he's talking about all this, he he wrote the book. What like all of my brain just started going a thousand miles an hour yeah. trying to figure out all the time that happened in between and just mm-hmm. oh my god. That is something that I hadn't felt in a while. And considering that the pacing of this movie is insane, like it just does not stop. The -hmm. fact that we start off so quickly like that at the beginning and it never relents, that's just impressive filmmaking. It is. It it, it really is. Because like the two of them just like immediately are like, oh, hey, hi. Oh, my God. Like, it's you. (laughs) It's you. It's actually you. And like. There's, you weren't there's just, just a dream. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, even though at this point, like, this film is obviously later, they tackle, they do bring up, the whole film is kind of like the aftermath of the one night and what it kind of did to them as people. It ruined them. Like, it, it ruined, legitimately it, yeah. ruined them. It gave it, them the greatest night of their lives, and, and they realized that the rest of their life sucks because of it. It's funny because even though that is what happened, them meeting again like that and the day they have like that night they have together again or like this like hour and a half they have mm-hmm. is in ways them recapturing that night they just can't really see it and they um, didn't realize that they could recapture the magic they yeah. were so scared of killing it that they yeah put that space in between them and they realized yeah. as soon as they were back boom mm-hmm. they're back well, it's, it's funny, too, because, like, the entire time during this film, as soon as they jump out of the bookstore and then they're like, oh, let's go to a coffee, like, a, co- a coffee shop and then uh, go here, they're 
the, the both of them are not only like they're stalling for a lot of time yes by moving place to place and not and they're also trying to not end the conversation but they're also back to that like that feeling from the first film where like the both of them are kind of again like are holding back but now since they have the knowledge of knowing each other they're holding back a lot of that like pain that that night left them with <laughs> and everything else and also like their lives as well because like their lives are as we get further into the film, it's clear that Jesse and Celine both live, even though their careers are really good and the work they're doing, even if some of the work they're doing is a little Celine. I really love when Celine like talks about how she jumped d- to j- different jobs because like she was just feeling like, like it wasn't going, it didn't turn fulfilling. out the way it wanted. Yeah. It wasn't fulfilling at all. Yeah. Like these two are just like, they got the careers they wanted. They worked hard for what they wanted and that they're not fulfilled romantically because they still they, have this one night of perfection yeah, that they can never recapture. They can never recapture, or at least in their minds, they think they can't recapture because yeah, they don't like, think that magic is going to be there if they were ever yeah, meet again. Exactly. And it's funny how much they, uh, they just hold back pretty much the entire time. And then and finally, one of my favorite moments is when they've been stalling for so long by having these conversations again about like politics and everything. Celine finally asked Jesse about like, so I saw you're married. And he's like, oh, I knew this was going to come up at some point. <laughs> the um, best part is, is that most of the conversations, th- what's impressive is to me that they have the same conversations that they do in the first movie where they just have their actual ideas and they battle. Mm-hmm. But not only that, it is now mixed in with a purpose into each one of them where they just keep trying to disarm the other to figure out what happened in those nine years. Like the fact mm-hmm. that you just have this tension where you want to see what's the next thing that they say, not only because you like to figure out what's going on in the mind of these characters, but because you can also see like, okay, yeah, you're talking about the politics. You're talking about your previous jobs you are trying to disarm him to figure out, hey, so what happened then? Like, it's one of those fascinating things that you do in a conversation where you try to get to eye level with someone so then you can start peeling back their layers. Like, it's something that I don't think I've seen in a movie where you have these two people that have so much that they want to say to each other, but not like, I want to kill this person. Like, I just have so many unfulfilled positive emotions to you with a lot of pain behind it that I need to get to a point where I know you are available to hear me and not run away immediately. Yeah, because like one of my favorite lines in the movie is when Celine tells Jesse, like, I was fine until I read your fucking book. Yes. Uh, that that line. Like, the way she even delivers it too. Yeah. Oh, it's it's perfect. And not only just that scene, but like there's two things uh, mentioning their lives and careers. Uh, I I have it here in my notes that I noticed because I said this film it, before Sunset does this really well with incorporating a lot from Sunrise, where uh, in the first film Jesse mentioned that his parents only got married because his mom was pregnant with him, mm-hmm. and his father even admits at one point that like out of anger during a fight with his mom that like, Oh, Jesse was a mistake. Mm-hmm. And Jesse before sunset now is married to someone who yep. he never loved and got accidentally pregnant, but he loves his son. Like he loves his son very much. And he talks, it's really heartbreaking when you see him talk about like, I suffer through all this hell with my wife and everything else just for those little moments with my son. And you could really feel that in his voice. He even said like, I'm willing to pit up with this for the rest of my life for as long as I get to have those moments with my son. And 
that's again one of my favorite moments in the trilogy because like you even see a bit more of that like love yes for his son of the third film at the beginning at the, yes. at the airport he's not really ready to say goodbye but his son kind of is like you know he's a he's a young kid so he's exactly. like oh like see you later dad but and even uh celine in the first film she talks about a man who she knew that worked hard his entire life for a career and like admiration that by the time he was 52 and never got married, how much his life was meaningless because he had no one to share that with. Mm. And Celine's 32 at that at that time in the film and before Sunset. And she, while has that very, that job she's very proud to have, her boyfriend at that time and like everything else is not fulfilling and she has no one to share it with because her boyfriend, she explains, is a uh, war photographer and he's never around. It's funny too, because she even has that like thing where she's trying to like, she's again trying to pit up that like uh, like that shield in front of her where she's like oh i don't need anybody around but then like also says like oh i need to be loved and like i need someone to be there for me so it's like it's clear she actually wants a love life that isn't her boyfriend popping in in and out out of her life constantly like that where like he'll be gone for several months at a time and it's it's funny that they both from that first film in a weird way got to that point that they were like oh we'll never cuz like Jesse's like i'll never be like my parents and he's like well yeah, yeah. You he are. is and then celine also managed to find her way in that situation and it's just it's once again this is a sequel where much like the first film it was two lonely people now these two lonely people are just uh, finding each other again this time and to where they originally wanted to be i mean in the first movie they are two lonely people that are just floating out in the ether in before mm-hmm. sunset they are two people that feel just completely alone within a completely crowded room like that's what it is like, even though Ethan Hawke has his son, like, Celine has no one. Like, she really yeah. has her boyfriend just so then she can be like, like, Celine thinks she's a cat when she's a dog. Like, cats, you can yeah. really just hand them food, pet them once, they disappear for a week, and then they come back. Like, she thinks that that's who she is, but she realizes she's not. She's a dog. She's a person who likes to be able to be around someone. She likes yeah. being able to have this constant interaction with someone that she just can't bring it bring herself to say that she needs someone else so that's why she loves having the boyfriend she'd be like oh well i have him but i don't need him well yeah you don't need him because you never see him you have to not need him to not lose your mind so yeah they are all just setting themselves up with these walls where if they stay safe in these walls, they never have to question themselves like they did that one night. So mm-hmm. I love all this. Oh, it's so, it's all so good. It's also rich with so much to talk about because like not even just like aspects of their conversation or like quotes you can rip from the film. Like there's just, like I mentioned, like there's things that they managed to incorporate really well from the first movie and follow up on. And yeah, it's funny that they make a sequel in most Hollywood films. It's like, Oh, they obviously got together and happily ever after. And now we're going to have a sequel where you, where we just start where, tearing them apart because yeah, need to have a movie. They're at their, they're really at their most broken now because they've lived their entire 20s and without each other and yes they wasted time on relationships that or like with people that meant nothing i also love when like celine has her angry her whole angry fit in the car towards the oh because it's like she says she's mad about how many guys that like she's been with who eventually they not only broke up with her but the next person they got with they got married to and then those guys would tell her like thank you for teaching me how to love and it's like oh like 
And she's not even mad that those guys didn't, uh, what was I? Uh, didn't end up with her. Yeah, it didn't end up with her. It's the fact that they never asked her to marry her. And them saying that, those guys saying that, makes it feel like she's been used as like, you know, almost like an emotional punching bag in a ways where like she was there for these guys. It almost like... I mean, it feels yeah. like it's always bridesmaid never the bride like she yeah, yeah she can't let herself understand that she actually wants love so the fact mm. that every single time that she has an ex that then finds love and gets married she does not ever want to acknowledge the fact that that is something she wants she isn't just a person who is an island no person is an island and the fact that yeah. she can't accept that means that every single time that she's confronted with it with some of her exes going thank you you know you taught me what actually love means like she's there thinking I don't know what love means. How did I teach you this? How is it that I have the ability to teach someone this, but I don't know what I'm teaching you myself? Like, that has to be incredibly frustrating. It really must be, because you hear it in her voice and in the performance, like just how tired she is of having this endless loop of people who kind of fly by in her life and don't really want to have a long-term relationship with her and don't want to uh, commit to her or anything like that. And, and even, again, that one night so many years yeah. ago had that effect on them where that moment too with ethan hawk's character talking about his son he says like i gave up on the whole idea of like uh of like what romance is or like what a romantic life is because he kind of thought that it was just like he was eventually so miserable that it was just like this again this fairy tale idea that doesn't ever happen she kind of a similar way i really love to i feel like you probably love this moment when like he's finally pouring his heart out and like celine reaches out to him for a quick moment but then pulls her hand back yes she wants to just comfort him but can't she herself doesn't know how to express herself and that's yeah. the moment where she's like this is my chance to finally let go and she still can yeah she still can't even uh because it's like th there's still that like element of they still won't just confess to each other even though they're pouring their hearts out about how miserable their life their lives are and how like they all, just like... say <laughs> all of their problems and then just stop shy from what the solution is yeah it's oh it's so heartbreaking to watch these two uh be so sad but it's like you just wanted to you and i ideally you wanted have them to have met up originally and it's actually i love i love that moment too early in the film when like she asks him like immediately she's obviously like oh i obviously know what this book is about um mm -hmm. but i have to ask you did you go back to oh. vienna and he's like oh no of course not and he's like trying to oh. again he's He's pinning up that front again like he did in the first film. No, I don't and, even think that's what it is. I think he uh, just doesn't want to make her feel bad. I don't think he wants to do that. But on top of that, I also think it'll make him feel worse for bringing it. Because, like, he went there and he got heartbroken. Mm. And, like, and again, like, he doesn't want to seem... Uh, Finding. Yeah, he doesn't... That entire time, like I mentioned, it's up until the very end when they finally pour their hearts out in the car about how everything sucks. They just pit up this front the entire time. They don't want to admit to anything. They just want to act like everything's been going okay. When he reveals it to her, her reaction is actually like, it feels genuine because she doesn't know how to react to it other than laugh because it's so like, oh my god, he actually did. Like, I don't know how to... I don't know what to say to that. It's like, like people laughing at seeing like something horrific. Horrific? Dramatic. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, I do not think I have the mental capability to process that. Yeah. Like, imagine having the greatest night of your life and then the person who you're supposed to meet again with actually was there and you stood them up. Like that is yeah. something that she probably, it, like it, 
if it were something that were less emotional that she was involved in, like, I'm pretty sure she would have broken down crying. But the fact that all of it is just completely fucked, like, that's what has her laughing. Like, it reached that (laughs) pinnacle of, like, I can't process this. I can only laugh. Oh, yeah. Like, it's because, like, I've had that reaction to shocking news where it's just, like, I don't know what to do but laugh because I, yeah you I fucking just, joker yeah because yeah. <laughs> it's just how do you react to such a thing and like and obviously she knew that was going to be the answer in a way but she also didn't want it to be like it's just that like it's she, the truth you she, know but you don't want to hear yeah you don't want to hear exactly a few other notes other than some of the character stuff on the film like this is the best paced one yes. out of the three because it just doesn't waste any time getting into the conversations it, what i love it, is that mm. it feels like you could have stopped the movie at almost any time and the both the characters are like no we're not fucking stopping the movie keep no. it going yeah. Do you want to go get coffee? Okay, we're going to get coffee. Oh, we got to go. Actually, I don't want to go to the airport. You know what? I can show yeah. up late. Oh, well, you yeah. know what? Oh, yeah. Every love, single chance I, that they get to roll yeah. further, they do. I love every moment they, they're they like, oh, you know what? Let's get out of this coffee shop. There's a garden. Or do you want to go shopping? There's a It's shopping day here in France. So it's like, oh, oh, maybe not. Let's go to the park or whatever. And then like- Just start pulling they, bullshit out. Yeah, yeah. Just start pulling bullshit out. And then they get to the boat and they're like, oh, let's do the boat. Let's do the boat. And he goes, no, you got your plane. It's like, oh, um. I got like 15 more minutes. That's fine. And then even the uh, when will they take get us off, closer. Yeah, the boat will take us closer to the car. And then when they get to the car and she's like, well, I guess it's time. And he goes, oh, no, no, I could I could drop you off on my way back. I, I have to stay like I'm arriving at the airport like three hours or two hours early. I'll just buy. Wait, no, I'll yeah, walk you yeah. up. Yeah, I'll walk. Yeah, I'll walk you up. And uh, all right, yeah, leave. Yeah. No, no, we're yeah. going to have tea now. No, like, OK. No. Yeah. She's like, you want tea? Let's have some chamomile tea. And uh yeah, like it's just it's so funny like how much the both of them kind of like they both stall for time and like just for all of it. Whereas, I mean, that says everything yeah. that they need to know. That the yeah. fact that they don't want to separate, that they have this time clock that is over their heads the entire time, and both of them just going, "No, we don't care." Okay, we yeah. already got punished by time one last time, so we're not going to let that happen this time. Like mm-hmm. I, that is just something that is a beautiful echo of the previous one once again link later understands time it's a beautiful pretty much damn near perfect sequel and no uh, i'd I say have, perfect i just say perfect I, yeah I'm it's not pretty even yeah say damn near. yeah it's amazing and it's uh the scene of them walking mm-hmm. up and it just follows them like oh it, yeah it's it these, milks mm-hmm. it for every second well, i yeah, you got to give a lot of credit to these movies too, because like the, a lot of like each scene is like just long takes. Like yeah. it's just a like someone holding a camera and following them around. There could be easily a slip up at any moment. Somebody could like walk in front of the frame if they're at a public place, and like, and even then they could probably incorporate it because like it's just like it's meant to be set in these public areas. But it's so crazy to think that the everything's like scripted and they have everything like nailed down it's to it to a T feel like it because there's it, just it's, so it, much naturalness. It's so it. natural. It's so natural. It's, it really is crazy. Cause like, again, I could believe it too, because like they made three really good movies and like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, or, you know, fantastic movies that uh, people love. And oh, it's, but it's Sam, very, Sam, yes. I know you can kind of see the artifice of movie. Like you can look at it and go, mm. oh, well, you know, they probably did this for that reason. Yeah. Oh, maybe it was a budget constraint. Why this happened. Oh, they're yeah. using this shot to I don't know, maybe kind of hide the things in the background. The depth of 100%. field is blurry, so you can't <laughs> tell that the CG is there. 
what I was always impressed with is that anytime my brain started kicking into that moment, it was always during the dialogue where I was like, oh my God, they're just not cutting. Oh my God. Is is there a hidden cut here? Like you will, you see someone walk across the screen. You're like, well, did he swipe away half the screen? And that's what did it. It's like, no, that's not it. And you just keep looking for these moments where the artifice cracks and then it just never does. And you, you get to that realization of, oh my God, these two people just know each other so well that whenever they're spouting out these lines, nothing about it feels like it's something that they already know what they're going to say. It feels like a genuine conversation that two people are having. Yeah, they're easily like one of, if not the best, like film couple, uh, like in terms of uh, like I've seen that I could think of because of just how the two of them are very different in many ways, but they also connect in a very unique way to one another because obviously they both have they both have very uh different ideologies about life and stuff mm-hmm. and jesse's obviously like we said a lot more cynical than her and yes. uh doesn't like a lot of more fun stuff and likes to think more logically in ways it's very weird because celine yeah. seems like a person who she feels like she's the person who absolutely would believe astrology. But then there's other times where she just goes, no, 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 no. But this is as grounded as we're going to get. Like whenever she was talking about politics, how, oh, global warming is going to kill us all. Like she doesn't seem like a person who's just high in the sky, just like Mm -hmm. imagining that everything is going to be okay. It just sort of seems like she herself is just always running away from these emotions but she can never fully bring herself to that point to be as cynical as Jesse is. I'm really happy she's not stereotype character at all. Like she's a, a like, person. She, yeah, she's just a person. And uh, she's not like, uh, like you said, they even make a joke about astrology in the first film mm-hmm. um, yeah. after the fortune telling. I just remember that. Yeah. The both of them together, like even though they have uh, different ideas on the world and like how men and women work together, it's they could still get along and they could, they could still, uh, you know, they, they love so many things about each other. It's hard to pin in the words at moments, just yes. like how they like struggle to find the words. <laughs> I mean, at this point, yeah. we should probably just play music and just let the rest yeah. of the movie run out that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That ending again, like when she yeah, it's funny, too, because uh, like she mentions like, like I, I don't remember at what point in the film, but she mentions that she like wrote some music and he's like, I got to hear some. Yes. And she's like, she's like, no, no. And then like the end of the film finally we get to hear it and then i don't know what her background is with music but she actually did the, sing that apparently yes i i figured i figured that but the fir- the song that's playing at the beginning of the film in the credits the the opening credits is yeah. another song of hers <laughs> yeah amazon video has that like little thing that tells you what song's playing and it said like oh a song by julie delpy and i was like what <laughs> i was like oh so I have no, like, she must have done some, like, music stuff outside the film, or maybe just for the film, I don't know. I think probably um, just for the film, I opened probably. up her Wikipedia, and it is just showing me filmography, is not showing me discography or anything. So it might okay. just be that she can hold a tune, and they're like, hey, can you yeah. sing for us? Yeah, like, it's, <clears throat> that's that song is awesome, That like, it's beautiful that she sings. I even love that moment when she includes Jesse's name into it. Oh my god. So it's, she did that on purpose <laughs> once again a probably another echo back to the poem scene in the first mm-hmm. movie where he's just like oh did you just plug that in like he yeah, is yep. playing around with the fact that he's not sure but 
I also believe that he probably isn't sure either. Like, he's just like, mm. oh, are you just doing that because I'm here? Oh, my God, please, for the love of God, give me a hint that all this time that we spent together is because we feel mutually the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, it's It's such a perfect ending. And again, that line of just, baby, you're going to miss that plane. And he just says, I know. And it's just fade to black. I remember that the black lasted just a little bit longer than it felt like. And I turned to my wife, I'm like, if they end it right here. And that's when it said directed by Richard Linkler. I was like, yes, boy, boy. Yes. they uh, just ended it right at the peak. There's right at the that's what we need to know. Perfect moment. We know everything. We yes. know everything and they, you could pit the pieces together. What's going to happen after that? Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Uh, absolutely masterpiece of a film masterpiece phenomenal <laughs> like even if someone didn't like the first one this second one is like yeah okay okay to be fair i don't know how you could not like the first one like you could probably be yeah. like okay yeah that was fine but like i the love second the first one, one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like the second film even just takes it further than the first in many ways again that element of time really works because it's really just like it's just cool seeing especially in the third film it's just really cool seeing them when they're that old yes it's like oh god like um <laughs> time comes just, for us all yeah time comes for us all we're all gonna you know. <laughs> but uh i don't know if i have anything left here in my notes for before sunset because it's just like there's nothing to complain about it's just like we said it just gets right into it it doesn't stop and it has like one of the best endings of all time correct it's just it's a fantastic movie and if whoever's still listening <laughs> what is wrong with you? What is Leave. wrong? Leave. What is wrong with you? Even Go watch these movies. Even if you don't like the movies, at least give them a shot. You know, these might be Criterion Collection, but they're just don't be afraid by art house because like this is just these are accessible movies if anyone has an open mind. Look, Loki's over. Don't rent Black yeah. Widow. Watch this. Yeah, don't spend thirty dollars <laughs> to watch Black Widow. Jesus Christ. Stop giving... (laughs) Just send $30 to Florence Pugh instead, okay? That's better use of your money. Yep. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Go watch... Just go go watch Midsummer if you want Florence Pugh. (laughs) Uh, We know that... Look, I'm so happy that Florence Pugh is in the MCU because that means that she's probably going to get a nice hat out of that because we know that Midsummer wasn't paying any of the bills. That's true. That's very true. Oh, man. I I don't... uh... That's I don't think app. I have any, yeah, I don't have anything left to say. I think about Before Sunset, it's it's just, I don't, I, I get very dangerously close to calling it Before Sunrise. It's just yes, that every single close. time. Yeah, I get very close, and I for a second I have to, like, sit there and, like, did I say Sunset or Sunrise? <laughs> no, 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 it's, it, for me, yeah. it's like um the, uh, the, the New Apes trilogy where I'm like, crap, which one happened first? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, so uh, yes, before sunset, yeah. absolute masterpiece. The monster of filmmaking. It is nothing like you ever seen before. Now, it's fantastic. Time to move on to the next one before midnight. midnight. Now, I feel like I had to mention it since I said I'd bring back my wife up on this one once again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump to the ending again. <laughs> uh, the apex of emotions in the movie obviously is the hotel room and. My yep. wife was fucking devastated by that conversation. It, yes. Um, 
she was just watching this like, oh my God, this isn't a movie anymore. We're just watching yep. two people who love each other argue. I you're, don't want this. You're sitting there like the uh, the two of them were on the train when they saw that scuffle between... Uh, no, not even. Not, you not are, even. Worse you, than are, that. Worse than that. you are Jesse seeing yep. his dad say he was an accident and yeah, I wouldn't actually, be here yeah. for that. <laughs> yep, yep. That's who you are watching yeah. these two people um, just dig into each other i've known you for 18 years and i'm yep. pulling every trick out of the bag to tear you down because of it yeah they don't hold back in this one and i i'd mentioned very, at the very beginning i this is my least favorite one for a few reasons but mm, go for it go for it just on overall like gen, general thoughts really good third movie i don't love it as much as the first two, it didn't have the same emotional impact on me in ways. The biggest problem this, like one of the problems this film has for me is that it takes a while to get into. Mm. I like the conversation they have at the beginning for like the first 15 minutes in like the car. Mm-hmm. Um, like that just like unbroken take again i love yeah. that kind of stuff just watching them talk as they're driving really good stuff it's wild shot like, and you can't really tell where a cut would be which is yeah, also yeah. horrifying to think like how did yeah. you guys pull this off yep. how did you not oh, screw up yeah i really love that it just takes a while to get to that bit at the hotel mm. where i don't i wasn't invested in their com like in the conversations happening mm. the meat of this like these films for me is just the two of them talking like yeah. i like that scene at the dinner they have mm. is good i don't like it as much as any of their conversations from uh obviously like from the first two films but uh what i do love though that they actually do pretty well is set up the events for the the fight at the end at the hotel with uh mm -hmm. It all starts, it all stems from like him having to say goodbye to his son at the beginning yes. at the airport. And like, you could tell him coming out of the airport, he's like, he's just like trying to like keep that straight face again and like not be yes. pouty because they're on vacation. And it's like, oh, my son, who is a spawn of my horrible ex-wife, I have to like, like let him go back to her and not see him again for several months or whenever he's supposed to see him next. And like that comes out, like, and obviously they, for a brief he kind of insinuates in the car, hey, what about, would you ever think of moving to Chicago in America? And then even Celine brings it up during the dinner mm -hmm. uh, for that one brief moment. And then everyone there at the table is kind of like, hey, hey, like, let's, let's not, let's not argue. Let's, we're having a good time. <laughs> oh, like, that sounds like a real they, conversation. Please get yeah, it out of here. Yep. That sounds like a real <laughs> conversation. That's not fun for anybody in the room. But let's not do this now. I, I love that they wait and like, it just kind of like that festers until the very end it's actually really nice too because when they have that fight at the end it's it's not just like a oh it's like this rising moment until like someone says the wrong thing it's that they both keep saying things that like suddenly the the fight they have is like oh they're not yelling at each other anymore they're having a normal rational conversation again but then somebody says something and it fires them off again and yeah. it keeps there's just this rippling like effect like it keeps going from like very neutral and very relaxed and then oh Oh, Celine, Jesse just said something that sent Celine over the edge or vice versa. There is one thing I do want to mm -hmm. mention about the pieces that you were saying that you didn't like. I'm not going to lie. I actually really like that because I don't have kids. I don't. But Me I am either. married <laughs> and I will admit that there are mm -hmm. so many times in a day where my wife and I will be busy. We'll go do an entire day of just chores and being able to get things done shopping and mm. all this and we'll come home and even though we've been around each other the entire day we'll look at each other and be like we haven't 
been around each other this entire day. So oh, I yeah, actually yeah. really do love that okay. this yeah. movie is late relationship shit. Like that yeah. is absolutely what it is. They even in the car whenever they're talking, they're really not with each other together until they're walking on the side of the beach and they're like, oh, we can't hear the kids behind us. Like yeah. that is just something that once again, you don't really see this kind of focus on a late term relationship. You're just mm -hmm. usually just like, oh, they got married and live happily ever after. You don't need to worry about anything else. You just have to assume that they were happy or maybe they got divorced in the next movie, whatever. Right. Yeah. But the fact that they have that focus where it's like he goes off to the men, she goes off to the women. And even though they are there together, they're not together. And mm -hmm. that is actually what I really love about it, because that is just very true. Even when they're at the dinner table and sitting next to each other, they are not together. They Good are point. the unit. And that's what I love about that entire piece. It's just something that is so truthful like even when my wife and i went to the astros game where i lost my voice like yeah <laughs> we were there but like yeah yeah we got home and we're like no like we went to go get donuts really late and maybe that's when we're like oh yeah we're around each other again like it's just I, something yeah. that i i get the complaint but at the same time it's just something that it just is like that like, yeah, that's like, around yeah. each other, but not around each other. With that insight you just offered me, that definitely makes me appreciate the movie a bit more. I guess the criticism I'm just trying to lay out is that, like, I'm just not invested. Oh, yeah, no, you're immediately. Not yeah, like, just not invested in what's happening until, like, they finally get that time together. But are they and, like, either? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, um, that's the thing. You can yeah. obviously tell that there's a different cadence yeah. between them talking to other people than whenever they're talking to each other. Because at the end of the day, isn't that everything that the second movie is? Is that no one else can fill that void that the other one fills for them? Yes, that's a, yeah, very, very good point. It's a very small criticism that it just, for me, that it takes a little bit of time to get into. Still, again, this is a great movie and still the best trilogy out there. Uh, yep. And. There is one the problem I have that I've been debating with myself Ooh. with Jesse's character in this film mm -hmm. that, again, this is what kind of makes me not, I don't know if I like, if it's a knock against it or if this is just something kind of showing a side of Jesse's character that like we've never seen before. And we realize has he kind of always been this way where like when they're having that fight in the hotel, mm. he says to Selene at one point that like when she's confronting him about, I think when she's confronting him about like, did he sleep with that woman? That was with him on his tour, book tour or whatever. And he says something along the line, like, at one point that, like, oh, good luck trying to find someone that will pit up with your crazy ass. And I'm like, ah, oh. it's like, maybe you guys are just very angry at each other and you're just trying to get at each other. But that is a, there's something very ugly and again, like this is showing the ugly aspects of, of what love can be, but like it's a very manipulating line to her to make her feel bad that she's getting angry. It might sound irrational at him for, because again, like he tries at points to kind of like keep himself. He's like, let's dial it back. Let's dial it back. Like he's trying, he's trying to calm her down and be like, all right, like let's stay rational. Let's stay rational. I can't blame either of them for getting angry at each other because they clearly have a, the nine years that we haven't seen. You can tell that a lot of the nine years, once they had kids and stuff, they got busy they don't have a lot of time for each other which is clear because they're like they didn't even really want to do the hotel because they yeah. almost had a fear that this was going to happen yeah because they were like telling their friends we don't need the hotel we'll just get the kids ready and packed for tomorrow when we leave and it's like oh no 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 you guys should have some time to yourself like come on and then like it must have been so long at that point that they're like they're clearly a little afraid to get into maybe some of their more 
problems that they had at him being away with her to just deal with the kids and then him wanting now to suddenly move to the estates to go be involved more in his son's life for Celine to give up her career, which she is really unfair to her because she's worked so hard. And mm-hmm. it's really hard to like pick one side in this film at times, but it's also like, this is just how it is. The thing is that they are just really going at each other in that argument where the fact that he does cross that line, like that just tends to happen. I mean, not only does that happen just in mm-hmm. regular relationships, the fact that it's also talking about him wanting to see his son, like that's the base point. And here's the thing. I'm pretty sure that it's not controversial to say that whenever you become a parent, I have no idea. Like I said, I have no kids yeah. at this point. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure when you become a parent, just something breaks in your brain that says, this is now your priority number zero. It does not matter yep. what is going on. This is what you're going to have to do. Kid. So I wouldn't be shocked if that parent brain is still kicking in. So mm-hmm. he, he, even if he says that he doesn't see Celine as a barrier to being able to see his kid, I wouldn't be shocked if the lizard brain goes, hey, she is though. Yeah, it's not showing immediately to him. Because again, he self like he has to remember he selfishly chose the love for her to essentially caused this divide between him and his son nine years ago mm-hmm. and like he won't even admit to it but she says oh you're trying to say that this is a mistake and he's like no i'm not trying to say that he almost is at moments and he's like he's basically saying like if yeah. i say it's a mistake it makes it sound like i would re i wouldn't want to redo everything i just did exactly and uh again like i said like i love Celine a lot more in these sequels as well because like they get to explore her more like I even love that like Celine really cares about his son as yeah. much as oh my like, he god does. the he, fact uh, that they stop mm. in the middle of like foreplay and she goes to answer yeah. a call from him it's like oh my god you are his mom yeah and I think I feel like Jesse almost couldn't find the right words to say but obviously life would have been easier if Henry I think his son's that's his son's uh, son's name obviously it'd be a lot easier if if they got either the custody or like originally Celine was his mom in an ideal world where they, if things worked out the right way the first time, but no, this is real life. They both made some mistakes along their way in life. And now this is their situation and they got to come up with a solution to deal with it. And so, yeah, I like, I love what you just mentioned, like during that scene when they're getting romantic for the first time in a, in a while and they, she goes to answer the phone to make sure he's safe that he got off, like got to London and it's about to board on to the next plane back home. And then even in the car ride, she mentions like, oh, he told me that he had his first kiss. And it's, oh, like, he even goes to her for like, because clearly the kid, they they talk about how his mom is like, I guess. Let's just call her a bitch. It's just easier. Yeah. Just easily. Yeah. <laughs> it's, look, yeah. We, can, we can try to yeah, dance literally. around it. Screw it. Yeah, we'll we'll we, save yeah, time. She's cr- Yeah, she's fucking nuts. And clearly he uh, does not have that like connection to her yeah celine is obviously that motherly connection that he has when he comes to visit and and obviously he has his dad there too so yeah it's uh i mean even he would want to be over there it's just the fact that the ex-wife would be like no fuck you you divorced me i'm going to use the only thing i have as leverage against you yeah even the son there at the beginning of the movie at the airport was like dad i don't want you to come only because it's going to complicate things because mom takes it out on me and it's like oh what the hell like yeah that's rough that's rough it's like what's going like yeah like it's like what's going on there maybe they should 
try and pit their attention like is it what's this kid's situation like because he obviously doesn't see him for a while and they I, don't know uh i'd probably imagine that it's like just mild passive aggressiveness like it's it could, like yeah. oh yeah you know oh you're my kid you're my kid oh i saw ethan hawk Ugh, yeah. why do you have his eyes Ugh. yeah it's, why do yeah, you like, have his, I, sh- mm-hmm. his ears like ugh. she she'll yeah she'll look at her own son at times and be like she's going to be reminded of her ex-husband and take it out that resentment and hate on him like she's not going to beat him or anything mm-hmm. but she is going to be like like she's maybe not going to put down the plate as nicely you know for food like she might yeah. just like oh yeah like, there'll be a bit of a clatter and it's like just probably these micro actions where you're just like you don't like me right now but some part of you knows that it's also illogical, so it's not like you can go full-on willing to punish me for something that I didn't do. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I do love how this film just incorporates the fact they have children now, and it's like now an added plot point responsibility for them. Where And then again, like all these problems with their kids causes them to fight because they, haven't, they hadn't had any time to bring up any of the serious issues they've had over the past mm-hmm. nine or so years. Which is a real thing. Like the, what it's ends a, up happening yeah. is that raising a kid is just so stressful that at that point you stop being a couple and you become parents. Yeah, you just become parents and you forget that the two of you, oh, it's like, oh yeah, we have ourselves to fix because uh, obviously in real life there's people that as soon as their kids depart to college, you hear about divorces and stuff because oh yeah like these people kind of just stuck around together until their kids all left them and left each other because it's a real thing and, it, and the film kind of gets into that too with that dinner table scene with everybody there about like couples and stuff long-lasting relationships i mean the other scarier part is when people become parents the kid leaves and they don't know who they are at that point like they're that, just yeah. been a parent for so long that they lose their identity and that's what celine's running into in that conversation like she feels like she is so much of a mom that by the time that she has to focus on being a wife at some point, she just realizes like, no, 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 I have my career. Like that is who I can be, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to sacrifice who I am career wise because I need to focus on being a mom as well. Like she has all of that stress on her about who she wants to be, which is already something she struggled with for the last two movies. And this is finally the moment Mm. where she feels like she can finally become someone that she'll be happy with. But the fact that she is also a mom is in the way of telling her, no, you don't get to be who you want to be because you need to be a mom above all else. It's one of those things that I'm pretty sure like if you talk to a mom, none of them would ever forget their one of their kids and if they did like that's yep. fucking insane we're not going to talk about yeah. the french cases but like most yeah. <laughs> moms even if like they had an accident or something most of the time they can look at their kid and they'll never say they regret them but there are things that they wish they can change and Celine is in that position where if she had it i'm pretty sure that she would love to be able to have a career not have to worry about her kids but at the end of the day, she knows she wouldn't be able to do it because she knows she has that love for her kids. Yeah, I do love that she even brings up, she's like, I'm not becoming a submissive housewife and all that because like she's worked so hard for where she's at. I do love too when she like, they get into a scuffle, the whole hotel scene, they're like, she talks about, 
even though she has this career and stuff, all these work responsibilities and like 10,000 emails to respond to, she's like, I'm still cooking the meals at home and doing all this stuff. Yeah, like sure, you go and pick up the kids every now and again. But yeah, she complains about like you're not, it doesn't seem like you're putting in as much as an effort as she is when she has all these other responsibilities. So yeah, like it's it's definitely diving into that thing of actual women relationship shit where women yeah. really do everything. They really do everything. Yeah, they do. Yeah. It's brutal and honest, and uh, this film does not hold back on any of that. One of the other things I love they tackle in this film with Celine as well, other than her being a mom and, and how that's affected her, is the it's actually uh, Jesse's book career and how it affected her. The fact that she's a character in two of his books, and the whole world has read their story, their romantic nights and stuff. But yeah, like, the moment where they ask for a signature. Yeah, yeah. It's it's clear that it, it has had some psychological effect on her. Because even in the fight after that scene, when someone asks for a signature, she's like, can't remember what she says first, but she says, but you're, don't you ever put me in one of your fucking books again. Yes. And it's, you could tell, like, it's just, she does not, that thing did something to her. There's clearly something there that she hates. I'm not sure exactly what, but it's, there's some sort of resentment That's what that we can she, dig. that's what we can yeah. do. I'm going to yeah. say, I don't mm-hmm. like that she feels like the book character of her is too idealized. I do remember she has that line and uh, I don't know if it's the, I think it's, yeah, it's in sunset where she says, uh, it's kind of disturbing reading the version of herself through his eyes in the book. And I think that's what probably bothers her is seeing herself through someone else's lens. Yeah. And I think that mm-hmm. if we're going off of that, obviously the fact that Jesse still tries throughout all this means that obviously he loves her. So at that point mm-hmm. he idealizes her. She probably just has low self-esteem is like the wrong term, but just yeah. go with me here. She probably doesn't exactly have that much of a high opinion of herself where she feels like she can always be doing more. Like she feels like she's never putting in the right amount of effort into everything that she can and she's stretching herself thin. So I wouldn't be shocked if whenever she reads about who she is in those books, she's like, but that's not me. Like, that's who I want yeah, to be, but there's absolutely yeah. nothing I can do to get me there. Yeah, she probably has resentment about that because it's like, oh, it's that's not me because I didn't, that's someone writing about me. And that's also someone pitting me in their story, kind of sharing it with the world. What, like, that when too. it's something, yeah, it's something, m- it's, yeah, it's something very private that and, and vulnerable like it's very uh vulnerable moments between them that she obviously is like doesn't want to uh she doesn't want to, the whole world to like view as entertainment i guess i mean i also wouldn't be shocked if she also doesn't like the idea that if she if they know who she is and who she's married to I, i'm pretty sure she also doesn't like the idea that everyone's going to have this perception of her like oh man you're perfect you can do everything and she's just yeah. like I am so frazzled by every single responsibility that I have that I don't even want to be associated with the look of someone who looks like they have it all together. Because like, yeah, like he really romanticizes their love life in those two books he wrote. And mm-hmm. I think that bothers her to some extent. Yeah, because and... she's like, you, f- it oh, probably yeah. makes it feel like he's tone deaf. Like, how do you think yeah. that all of this has just been completely fine? Which makes that argument probably blow up even more because it feels yeah. like she's going from that point at time of you don't recognize what is going on. You don't recognize 
what all the problems are. And the fact that you're putting these in your book and you don't recognize the problems makes me think that you aren't paying attention. Because yeah, like when the girl asked for the signature, she asked for hers too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's what set her off. Because no, it's a confrontation of recognizing yeah, yeah. that you are in these books and yeah, she, yeah, this she, person yeah, you're you talking must, to probably has an idea of who you are. You must be the wife. This is you in the story. It's like, uh... Don't pretend to know me, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> just just sign it. Like, oh my yeah. god, you fucking suck. I don't want to do this. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's, uh... The whole film's leading up to that whole hotel fight and the, and the payoff is worth it because I like how they resolve it a little. It doesn't seem like they're gonna... Oh, everything's fine by the end of it, but, like, everything... They're finally just calming down and kind of enjoying the rest of their night. Maybe, you know, I'd like to hope maybe they solve their issues when they get back from uh, their vacation in Greece. Because, like, when he approaches her there at the end at the outdoor, like, dinner or diner place or restaurant, he's just like, hey, I'm a time traveler. He comes up with this whole story with the napkin there and, like, tries to tell her, like, when we're at 80 years old or whatever, you still got got a great ass and all this. she's like not buying into it at first but then like finally he says like this is real love and we're just gonna have to can't remember the exact quote but you know they're just trying their best essentially yes and i hope for their sake as characters maybe they need couples counseling after they get back and like have to really lay into each other some more there to before they can really fix everything and because it's clear jesse obviously still loves her like Mm -hmm. and celine yeah like that moment when celine says i don't think i love you anymore and just leaves oh Uh, it's it's harsh so it's like you've been watching three films that take place over the course of like 18 years and you just that is like the worst it's something that every time that i think about i'm just thinking she really didn't have anything else to pull like at this point it is a knockout drag out fight where it's like i want to hurt this person that has Mm -hmm. been with me for the all these amount of years and that moment is something where she just completely gives up pretense about trying to play fair or anything. This is the moment where she's like, I don't care about the topic anymore. I just want to hurt you. I mm-hmm. don't think I love you anymore. Like, that's yeah. the moment where it gets r- real. Like, it was already real, but that's when it's like capital, every single letter, real. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about how at the ending it feels more like, you know, it's a little bit uneasy about the two of them. The fact that Jesse knows that he can just get there and kind of kick off with a joke and then lead into how he actually feels, that gave me so much hope because you kind of do have those, not even conversations, you have those arguments with a loved one where it mm. feels like this is dire. Like this is one of those moments that is probably going to dictate the relationship from then on. The fact that Jesse still has the confidence to know that he can still lead in with a joke lets me know that they were never in danger. Like, it's one of those things that even with how nasty that fight is, the fact that the two of them are still willing to play along with the joke at the end makes me feel like these two people at a base level just know how they are with each other, that they know that even with all the nasty shit that they just pulled they still care about each other at the end of the day. And that's the kind of thing that always has me 
happy with that ending because the two of them know each other so well that even when they're hurting each other, they know how they communicate. So even they can still read through the lines that sometimes you just hurt the people you love and it's unavoidable because the closer bonds you have to people, the more likely you just are to hurt them. And whenever you're married, that is pretty much one of the closest bonds that you can get to someone, not even your own kids. Like your kids are living their own lives that for the most part, you have no idea what's going on in their lives to a day-to-day basis while your spouse is someone that for the most part you do. So that entire ending with them just knowing that even though with the amount of buttons that they push that they still love each other at a base level is honestly one of the most uplifting endings where it just feels like yeah that shit got really bad but at the end of the day these two people still love each other so much that it's going to take something way worse than an argument to break them up yeah it's going to take them more than that like you said because again it's just one bad night which hopefully the rest of their lives from there they try and just now there's gonna be another one yeah. though there always is another one it's yeah, this always our relationship is always going to be tested over and over and over again this probably mm-hmm. isn't even the first fight this is probably one of the worst ones they've had but it's definitely not the worst one like yeah i don't think that because it just feels like the fact that he bounced back almost immediately feels like no like i've handled this before i know exactly how we bounce back and forth between each other like there's just so much at least in the subtext of the of relationship of 18 well not 18 years nine years but you understand the fact that (laughs) they have this ability to tell how they are with each other it just lets me know that this is just it like the nothing is probably ever going to break them yeah it makes me hopeful too that no matter what happens after the credits have rolled they're going to work things out Maybe they won't move to Chicago, but they'll find a, uh, they'll, they'll compromise somewhere. Exactly. Um, like they'll even, at least yeah. put in the effort to make sure that they're not going to say we did nothing. Yeah. 100%. And on a side note, something that happens earlier in the film, I wanted to get your oh, opinion yeah. no, on. Like I said, we always end up yeah. jumping to, we did yeah. this twice now yeah. where we jump to the end yeah. because how can we yeah. not? Yeah, it's just how can you not? Because like these movies have like really great endings. There's a moment at the early point in the film when Jesse and the uh, the one gentleman there that he's talking with about his books, uh, they look at the younger girl that the one the older guy's grandson, like his girlfriend's over, and they look they check her out. Yeah, there's a funny story behind that moment where on the set, I guess, of the movie, mm. a cameraman approached Ethan Hawke and asked him, like, that's not something like Jesse would do. He wouldn't look at another woman. And it's like, uh, it's a very natural thing to randomly check out somebody on for anybody. Like, yeah. I don't think anyone's above that kind of like attitude or anything. And even, Correct. uh, I could have sworn like in the first film, even like both of them were caught staring at somebody yeah. else at one point just because they caught their eye and attention and it's just something that happens and like it's not like unnatural like jesse's again like there's no uh he did I wish stare it, for like hours like it was just kind yeah of he wasn't and then you he, kind of yeah. put your eyes down he wasn't flirting with her he wasn't like yeah he wasn't uh making any advancements at her he just like the two of them glanced at her for like a couple seconds and then they they both looked at each other and had a laugh and that was it yeah no no Um, i mean pretty much that scene in the movie feels like the camera itself has to go on for a little bit longer so you Mm -hmm. know that there's a point made but not going on too long where it feels like the characters themselves are staring like it feels like it goes long enough just to let the audience know hey they were looking here but not too long yeah 
exactly it's just a little moment i appreciate because oh yeah like these and i'm sure celine probably saw some like you know gorgeous man on the streets of paris or something or at one point was like god damn <laughs> <laughs> wow like, that's a specimen now if only that, he was yeah. the one that i met on the train yeah exactly like, <laughs> i think it's a totally normal thing for couples to do they like when you see like a hot uh, actor or actress in a movie like a husband or wife is going to be like wow just because it's just a it just feels that that's the nice thing about these movies like they just they don't leave stones unturned really i mean i'm just always impressed that th- all of this feels super grounded there was never a moment where i was like Mm. ah well that didn't feel right like considering even all of the things in these movies nothing could be said as unnatural all of this feels like it is just ripped from reality like i'm pretty sure that if you can just figure out a way to ghostly stalk people this would be that like this is just fly on the wall following these two people at points in their lives yeah, I love that a film could emulate that feeling, whether it's these movies or uh, sorry, a director I really love named uh, Michael Haneke. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the way they do in his country, mm-hmm. um, but his films make you feel like you're stuck there and you got to witness the horrible shit that happens in his movies very different kind of approach though to what you're explaining because like these films because like the like the hotel scene feels like you're just like witnessing of you're watching mom and dad fight <laughs> which my god that's the yeah. moment we were just like please yeah. eject eject i don't want to see mom and dad yell at each yeah. other yeah. ah you love each other please stop what do you think of the idea because like they've shot it down now it's not happening i'm pretty sure but you never know what could happen no. uh no you don't want to don't no. want to fourth film no 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 okay no we have the idealistic 20s they have yes. obviously just this immediate spark all the possibilities in the world in before sunrise sunrise yes okay <laughs> you see even i'm doing it now <laughs> yep so then you have the sobering 30s when you just realize that the idealistic thing that you were trying to go for isn't going to happen. The thirties is when you just kind of have to tamper down and go, this is pretty much my life. And I need to make sure that I have everything ready for the forties. And once you get to the forties, things just really stop changing. So I don't know what you can do anymore. That would give us more insight to the characters because what are they going to go to the 50s 60s like at that point oh where we're gonna have to deal with our daughters becoming sexually active and who they might be dating like I'm, i don't want to see a fucking taken situation where like one of the twins yeah. gets kidnapped or something yeah and even yeah. a cock has to pick up a shotgun like i don't want to yeah. see any of that the whole <laughs> yeah. idea is like of these three movies is what can you decipher from a relationship and at this point, the fact that they're married, they've already had kids, they've been married for a couple of years. I don't know what other develop you, you can have to show more shades of a relationship through these characters. Yeah, that's pretty well said, because I've gone back and forth of, of thinking about it. What would a fourth film look like? And I guess I think I saw something at one point that Ethan Hawke said that they kind of had an idea of like waiting even longer until they're like really older. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. No, no, no. I, maybe. I'm in, I'm in for that one, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. the idea of going back to the point where you are just a couple. You are no longer parents. You are grandparents more than anything else. And yeah. you kind of have to figure out how to be alone with each other again. 
that actually sounds like something yeah, I can get behind. That could really work. I'm not against the idea, but like if this is if that's if that's it, that's fine. It ended on a really nice note. I'm not going to complain. I'm not yearning for another one. You know, there's always more stuff to discover out there. So, um, so uh, 18 years instead of nine years, please. Do that even because yeah, I think Julie Delpy said that she was like, yeah, I'm retiring from acting soon, and I think they probably talked about it several times, and it's probably it just sounds like they don't really have a good enough excuse to do it or something. I mean, to be fair, I'm pretty sure if yeah. Linklater called her was like, hey. Uh, the uh, uh before e- after evening you, you in yeah after yeah the, the after trilogy in their older years <laughs> oh wait no no hold on i just realized that's after okay no 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 then you can use you can use one of the titles again uh yeah. uh be- before fuck oh my god my brain is hurting now <laughs> Uh, no, no. After midnight. There we go. There we after go. After midnight. Yeah, that that feels like it has a lot of finality to it. After midnight. Boom. Done. We get one set during their like when they're like sixty or something, and it's like before supper. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, or, fuck it. Uh, before bedtime. Yeah, before bedtime. <laughs> there we go. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. At that uh, point, you just know that they're old. That's perfect. Yeah. They just know they're old. Oh man. You see, now, yeah. that's what I could get into. I don't think that there's any other idea I think I'd want because I kind of don't want to see them be parents to teens. Like, that's kind of what this one is, too. We anyways. got Boyhood. We got Boyhood as well, which kind of had... It's so weird to think that, like, Boyhood basically started shooting in in between these before films. Isn't that, like, crazy? <sighs> and then, like, following year after Before Midnight, they were like, here's Boyhood. It's like, holy shit. Boyhood um, is just so weird to think about timeline-wise when you just think yeah. about all the shit in the mid-2000s that they ran through and just mm-hmm. integrated. Like, ah. I think of this idea of, of the tri- like of this trilogy of like taking using time like that mm. to its uh, advantage. Is there any other... There almost feels like you could use this same kind of... Not like the same kind of film structure or anything like that, but the same concept and tell like a much grander story, I feel. So the idea of taking a different story and going, okay, we're going to tell it like this, and then we're going to wait for a little bit and come back and revisit it. Yeah, like you can almost do that. Because like we've seen it done with other films, kind of. Uh, Like we got like a sequel to Trainspotting. I don't know if you ever saw Trainspotting or not by Danny Boyle. So Um, I haven't seen it, but I do know that that one was a really delayed one. Did they really integrate the fact that time had passed on that one? Yes, yeah, so the second oh. film's a lot more about nostalgia and like second film is not as good as the first one, mm. but like it's a surprisingly pretty solid sequel for what that was because like that came out around the time where like oh let's make a sequel to something that came out like twenty years ago or whatever. But at least Danny Boyle and everybody came back to make it. Mm. I like the idea of telling some grand epic story or something over the course of that amount of time. But then the um, question is, what could it be? Because for me, yeah, what exactly, becomes yeah. special about the Before trilogy is that it's not it only is, yeah. an investigation about two characters. It also feels an investigation of relationships. Like, you mm. would need something like a big topic like that to really hang on it to, oh, I no, hold on, I just got an idea. What if you took Place Beyond the Pines and made it into a trilogy where you had time in between? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, like I like that idea. I really love the idea of like having this like movie that like all one movie. It's like maybe like a almost three hour long epic where like the first half of the film takes place. You know, they do it now and then like they come back to shoot the 
second half of it like mm. so many years later because like the second half of the story takes place so many years later but like it, that would really take somebody with like a lot of ambition and like patience to do it and, and cachet to actually be able to convince and, people yeah. to do it yeah exactly something like that to fun like again like the, the before movies and boyhood seemed like reasonable to ask for like hey can we have a few million dollars for something that's going to take several years to make because i know these films weren't like crazy big at the box office but Mm -hmm. my knowledge there's not like a very high risk to them because uh, especially like i don't think boyhood probably was like it it was definitely a risk for whoever got involved but because that obviously could have fell flat on its face completely but it came out pretty all right and i i love that link later thinks outside oh just literally outside the box with this stuff and like even if it's not perfect these things exist like he did two rotoscoped animated films waking life and scanner darkly which are not for everybody, but I really enjoyed them both. And they they use the animation to its advantage for the story it's telling in both films. I just feel like if they can grab a big concept and tie it to this structure, I will be very happy. And because mm. of now thinking about Place of Beyond the Pines, I would not mind this structure put on the topic Sins of a Father. Like, I like the idea of being able to follow three generations and i don't know how you figure out the time for that maybe start off with a kid have the grandparent uh, be involved i don't know but the idea of sins of a father feels like it would fit perfectly with hey let's skip a couple of years and see what seeds we dropped bloom into yeah that, that could be really cool it's just a cool idea i just wonder what else because like i know i know Oh, there was something I read like a year or like it was a like well over a year ago. I know Linklater talked about doing something again, like another one of these, but not like a before movie, but like another time centered movie. Yeah, like film. Oh, I wish I still remember what it was, but it sounded like it was like one movie, but like over the course of 20 years or some shit. Yes, like that. Uh, like, Merrily was... We Roll Along. Is that what it's called? Or Yes, correct. I okay. have it up here. Uh, this is the one that he said that he is filming over the course of 20 years, I think. Holy shit. He's getting pretty, like, he's getting up there in age. So like, oh, yeah. I hope if this is like his last big hurrah, then so be it. Um, yes i agree he's really cool i would recommend a lot of his other films i haven't seen like i swear i've seen his bad news bears movie like years ago but i don't really remember um i I, when i heard he did that uh where'd you go bernadette or whatever that one's called yeah i was like that's link later yes i agree i just realized that now there's definitely directors like that where like they'll just again like i feel like he did school of rock probably to get the next project going like a lot of have the resume yeah have the resume so that like their next project could happen like a lot of directors have been doing that nowadays it seems and one for like, you one for me yeah one for you one for me as uh taika waititi does with marvel and his uh stuff mm-hmm. but it's just not a bad system to work off of especially if you want to uh creatively make more stuff swinging it back to just before midnight quickly because mm-hmm. i kind of i don't think i have anything left to say on it yeah, but no i agree um, um wrap it up because i'm probably about to wrap it up too that's fair i was like i was like yeah i don't have anything left to say about before midnight it's it's a this whole trilogy is great they're all great movies if you listen to this whole thing without watching the movies come on (laughs) what is why why would you be here it would literally take up one afternoon or evening of your life to watch all three back to back (laughs) just please watch these movies figure it out okay yeah I don't so care good. how you do it. I really don't. I'm not going to judge you. Just watch better movies. Just watch movies. 
That too. Well, um, I'm not going to go that far. Yeah. We were shitting on Black yeah. Widow earlier. That's true. That's true. Watch good uh, movies. Watch good movies. <laughs> All right. That's good enough spot for me to end. End card. Perfect. Hey, look at you. You got to the end of the episode. From episode zero to the day that I finally get lazy and cancel the show, a big thank you to Joey Rawlings for providing the perfect name for the show. Be sure to always give him thanks either out loud as you're listening to this, or you can just send him a thank you tweet at boogeyman117 underscore. That's boogeyman117, I-E instead of Y, double O. Be sure that it's an underscore, not a dash, 117.